All right, everybody. Welcome to the Yoga Living Project podcast with Jason Smiley. This week we're talking with one of the one of my favorite yogis in Colorado Springs. Uh, he's going to be telling us about yoga for veterans. So play a little music for us as well. And uh, yeah, if you don't know Jason. If you haven't been to one of his Mindful Resilience classes or his restorative classes, I highly, highly recommend it. This guy is true blue, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. There's a house on my block, it's abandoned and cold The last folks moved out of there such a long time ago Well they took all their things and they never came back The place looks all haunted and the windows are cracked And everyone calls it the house where nobody lives Well the paint is all cracked It's peeled off of the wood Newspapers stacked high on the porch where I stood And the weeds had grown up Just as high as the door There were birds in the chimney and a chest full of drawers Looks like no one's gonna come back To the house where nobody lives Once it held laughter Once it held dreams, did they throw that away? Don't they know what that means? Did someone's heart break? Somebody do someone wrong? So if you find someone to have and to hold Don't trade that for silver, don't trade that for gold See I've held life's treasures, they're fine, yes they're good They remind me these houses, they're just made of wood Without love, ain't nothing but a house Where nobody lives Once it held laughter, once it held dreams, did they throw that away? Don't they know what that means? Did someone's heart break? Somebody do someone wrong? 
Looks like no one's gonna come back The house where nobody lived Ah, oh, nice, man. Beautiful. Little Tom Waits. Yes, sir. It's kind of a heartbreaking song. Yeah, um, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to start the podcast. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, that one gets me every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jason Smiley, thanks for being here today, dude. Thank I you, appreciate brother. you, brother. Yeah. Likewise. Um, so we're going to talk about what you do in yoga. So tell me, so is it... Um, Veterans Yoga Project? It is. I actually work with, at this point, um, I started off with the Veterans Yoga Project, but at this point I've been working with several different nonprofit organizations, okay. all that um, deal with veterans, but the Warriors at Ease, Come Back Yoga, um, Mindful Yoga Therapy, and uh, Lone Survivor Foundation, which is where I've been working a lot lately. Mm. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me a little bit about the so is Veterans for Yoga is kind of the first one that started it, really? Wasn't it? Or was it... Um, how did how did yoga get into the world of working with uh, veterans and PTSD and all that? Well, they were doing a lot of um, research on it in the VA system. So um, okay. Dr. Daniel Libby, who's the director of the Veterans Yoga mm-hmm. Project, and people like Molly Burkholm, who has been working with the VA down in Miami for many years, um, they were... <coughs> They were working. They were doing research and basing this on the feedback of the veterans who were going through the mm-hmm. yoga classes and the meditation classes. So that's how these classes developed. It's purely based on the feedback of veterans who yeah. were in clinical studies, okay. and um, just <clears throat> basically presenting tools that worked for them nice. to help with their PTSD symptoms. It's um, yoga is not a cure for PTSD. And for, I mean, yeah. I wish it were, I wish it was, but. Yeah. Um, it can certainly help with the the symptoms that people experience and help them yeah. to improve the quality of their daily life. So, so how long have you been doing work with veterans specifically through yoga? And and tell us a little bit about how you got started down this journey and how that happened for you. I started with the Veterans Yoga Project, doing some volunteer work for them in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just I got my um, 200 hour teaching certificate in 2000. 13 and at the time I was living in southwestern Louisiana so I went home and there was like I was in a small town in the south and there was really nothing I could do with it right. Cer- certainly not with the Shiva Nanda diploma because <laughs> <laughs> that would have been too radical for that area um, <laughs> and I, I also <clears throat> being a veteran myself I wanted to work with this population so I didn't know anything I didn't know if anything was out there if anything existed mm-hmm. I, I literally google searched it mm-hmm. um and the Veterans Yoga Project was the first one that popped up, and so I contacted the director. So you just had the idea, you are like, I want to work with veterans. Yeah, because I I, I was kind of coming at it from my own personal experience, you know, like what I got mm. into yoga for. Um, I certainly knew that yoga could be helpful with depression and anxiety and mm. these things. So um, I wanted to focus on sharing that aspect of yoga mm. with people because there's... Lord knows I'm not a, a fitness instructor, you know, like uh, that. I'm not criticizing that at all. I'm just saying sure, this is what yeah. I do. Yeah. And so <clears throat> um, knowing that these tools help help me, I was uh, wanting to share them with other veterans. And yeah. not that 
all the PTSD comes from your military experience. It can come from a lot of different experiences, you know, but um, right. stuff that helped me, I wanted to share with other people and specifically the veteran population because um, personally in, in my family, I had a couple of uncles that were in the Marine Corps, one of whom served in Vietnam. And mm. because of because he was there, I've always been interested in that and I've studied it. And I, <clears throat> it really kind of was heartbreaking to study it, mm. to especially the just the way they were treated when they came home so um especially in vietnam yeah particularly. yeah there was no my dad was a vietnam vet and there yes. was no ticker tape parade no literally got off the boats in san diego and there's nobody there yep yep yeah and i did i <clears throat> if i can do anything about it i would like that to not be the case at this point in time cause yeah I think it's shifted a little bit. I think Vietnam was, you know, not to get political on it, but that was something everybody seemed to be against at the time. And um, it's not the case anymore in terms of the purpose for why, you know, we're fighting abroad and stuff. Um, so it's just that, you know, in in my estimation to a lot of the folks, I myself included, I enlisted when I was 18, you know, and if you can go back in time to when you were 18. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> You don't, you know, you think you know a lot about the world, but you don't know much. Well, and, you um, think that number means I'm an adult now, right? Yeah, right. So, <clears throat> a lot of this trauma that occurs happens when people are so young, and um, you know, it's 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 unfortunate, but uh, it's just I wanted I want to be able to do something that's helpful for those those folks. So. Yeah. Well, and it's definitely I think the good thing about um, you know the information cycle nowadays is that I feel like in Vietnam PTSD wasn't a like a a term everybody knew now yeah, it's, it's a it's, it's a very modern term. yeah yeah I mean did, when did we even start really and because it's an invisible wound um mm-hmm. especially within the military itself people were not going to be apt to talk about it out you know they're mm-hmm. just going to keep it in because that could have re- repercussions for your career or amongst your peers if they think that you're, you're wigging out or you're crazy or, you know, or something like that. So you might be dealing with all this internally, but just mm-hmm. not have any outlet to, to get it out of your system. You and know? to get some support around it. Yeah. Cause you're afraid of the consequences of it, which that's. Well, I wonder if, if some, in some cases people don't even know they have it until they're home and like trying to reassimilate back into their, it, what that was their normal life. It does happen that way. You know? Yeah. They go through this, you know, like you said, there's these young men who, and women, and ladies, yeah. yeah, who barely know what life is, really. I mean, even though you think you do when you're 18, you know, but then you go off and you have this huge experience and you come back and it's like, wow, I'm sure it's pretty mind-blowing. Yeah, there's all kinds of uh, traumatization and moral injury that takes place because, hmm you're following orders that you're given um, mm. and you may not necessarily agree with that but uh, there's really no choice at that point so there's no time to think about it no. or digest it right you just have to trust in the people that are in leadership above you and um, honestly they could be a sociopath so uh, it's <laughs> like in certain circumstances yeah oh yeah um, no I'm sure I uh, laugh just because it's like you know I don't know why I laughed. I just, I just think that's, I, I've had bosses that weren't even in the military who were sociopaths. Sure. So I know how, <laughs> how easy that is to find somebody in yeah. authority who's, 
who's yeah, not somebody who should really be an authority. Kind of makes you up mentally. Yeah. Um, well, thank goodness we have this yoga for veterans and and these other yeah. organizations that are doing this stuff. Yep. So go back to the beginning. So so you started googling it. You found veterans. Yeah, and then project. I contacted Daniel. And at that point, I think he was probably a one man operation. Oh, really? <laughs> well, it was small. I'm exaggerating then, huh? a little bit, but yeah, it, um, I think he really needed help at that point. You know, yeah. it's like starting yeah. to become overwhelming. But God bless him. He uh, he wrote me right back and invited really? me to come to a training. So I, really? I went out to California to Santa Cruz. Did my oh, did nice. one training with him, and then just a few months after that, I did a higher level of training up in Montana with him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And then since then, I've I've done other trainings, but yeah. I'm always trying to learn and hopefully yeah. improve on you know what I'm sharing with people. So in a, a uh, so what what kind of yoga would you so like the yoga you teach? What do you call it? Like, is there a name for it? I call it mindful resilience. Mindful resilience. Yeah, which so is a perfect just, name. It has five aspects to it okay. that are included in each class. So you're always going to do some breath work. You're always going to mm-hmm. do some form of meditation, mm-hmm. a little bit of movement, and then some guided relaxation and a, a gratitude practice. So those those are okay. the five different tools that we share. And How does the – I'm curious about the gratitude practice. How does that work? Is that something um, you can explain without giving it, the secrets away? I can take, it, take you through it if you want. Yeah, let's do okay. it. Yeah. So you basically – you find your comfortable seated position. All right. We got our meditation nice pillows, so we're yeah, we're already there. We're grounded. And then if it feels comfortable, you can bring your hands to your heart. Maybe a slight bow of the head forward, enabling you to turn your gaze inward and seeing if that can't bring us to a place that feels like gratitude. And from that place, I'll invite us to both acknowledge just one thing that we feel grateful for in our lives today mentally. And then I thank them for being in the practice. That's usually how the practice will conclude is with gratitude. That's so nice. just getting into a position that is one that represents gratitude and seeing what that feels like in your body mm. and then thinking of just one thing, one yeah. thing that you feel grateful for. And there's other practices too. You know, you can like do <coughs> do mindful eating or whatever where you're really taking your time eating your food mm-hmm. and you're considering all the people that were involved in bringing that food to your plate. Mm-hmm. So that's that's another gratitude practice. Or you can keep a gratitude journal. That's an easy one where you just write down three different things every day. Mm-hmm. That you're and so is the gratitude practice specifically part of what Daniel taught you? And it's part of, yeah, it's part of the, the Mindful Resilience class. And, and just to answer the obvious question, what... What benefit does the gratitude piece well, they actually, hold for specifically PTSD, do you think? Well, they actually, well, um, people that have PTSD are probably a little less grateful just because of what's happening mentally. They're kind them. of stuck in that yeah, and trauma. Yeah, try to, <clears throat> and I, myself included, and I, I don't think you have to have PTSD for this to be the case, but we tend to look out over our experience, and maybe there's 100 items we're looking at, and we will ignore the 99 items that were good and just focus on the one <laughs> item that was bad, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> the gratitude practice, and it, studies have shown that it, it can be helpful with depression if you practice it over time. Mm. So just training yourself to at least start to acknowledge good things, you know, like... Yeah. Also doing body scans, bless Excuse you, sir. me. Doing body scans where you're not only just looking for tension and pain, but you're also acknowledging good, 
places that feel good in your mm. body. So to create, so you're trying to create new pathways. Yeah. So new connections of positive experience within Neural. yourself. Yeah. 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 Um, so then, so there's the five aspects of it, of what you do, the mindful resilience. Um, what else is in terms of like holding space for these folks and under the context of them walking in, understanding like, um, you know, that they may have trauma or, well, I guess that's my first question. Is it two part question? Is it specifically for people from the military of PTSD only? Um, it's, I want it to be free for them, but, but it's open to anybody. Okay. So that's how you do it. You kind of do it as a donation based class, but yeah, you don't expect donations from the folks who are veterans. Well, I'm I'm usually at this point I'm I'm teaching them for free. Yeah. Uh, in in completely military environments like the VA clinics, so I know all of those people are veterans. Mm-hmm. Out on the Air Force base, all those people are either active duty or veterans. Um, so you teach people who are active as well. Yeah, I I've been teaching out at Peterson for about. Can't even believe it. It's been three, almost three years now, two and yeah. a half, th- three years, and um, <clears throat> that's something that I feel is very important too. Because uh, if you can give some people some coping strategies and some skills before they go into combat, mm. then the chances are that the psychological um, price that they pay will be mm. less. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, do you find that? Um, so and are those guys? Do they have to do it, or are they coming to it on no, no, their own it's choice? That, um, the one I teach at the fitness center is just like a Saturday morning class and yeah. people can come if they want to. Oh, cool. And so do you find it is a different vibe when you teach for people who are active versus former military? No, not really. Um, I, well, the active duty people are really obedient. I, not that I'm directing them or ordering them around, but they just <laughs> like, they're ready, you know, like they're, they're, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're just, in that mindset. Yeah. They're like, they're totally focused on you and what you're trying to guide them through. So it's like uh-huh. it's, a, it's an easy crowd to yeah. to guide through a practice. So when you did the training with Daniel, did the Shivananda training, how much of that stayed with what you learned from Daniel? Um, it, was it a completely different thing? Completely. And that's really? why, I like, um, this is kind of funny, actually. Uh when I was going to teach my first class, because they're totally opposite, totally, totally opposite, and I'm trying to f- figure out, like, before I taught my first class, what am I going to do? You know, like, how am I going to arrange this class? I mean, I knew how, I knew that the fi- mindful resilience stuff, but I'm specifically speaking about the movement portion of it, you know, because, like, in Shivananda is kind of a different type of practice. It's if people take it, sometimes they're confused by it, but it's really spiritually focused in the, in the order of the asana, you know? Okay. Right. Yeah. So, um, the sequencing is, so I had written out my sequence for the class and I sent it to Daniel asking him what he thought about it. And, and I had him starting out in shoulder stand. That was really, that was like, you know, like, yeah, that's a good thing to have a bunch of Vietnam vets go into shoulder stand right immediately. <laughs> so anyway, he told he told, he actually, he gave me some advice that I th- I feel like is some of the best advice I ever I've received as a teacher up to date is it's not really what it's how mm. you know like keep it simple mm. and it's more important how you teach it to people than what the what the ingredients are in the asana sequence you know like just um, mm. because frankly it's not really um, intensely focused on alignment or anything it's more sensation so like you know what mm-hmm. whatever 
getting people to notice their connection to the earth first mm-hmm. and then just the support various supports that they have in their body without calling them bandas we you know but just these things yeah. <laughs> so so do you try to stay away from that kind of traditional language very purposefully yeah, yeah. um is that something you it's learned left out, yeah oh okay i don't even call poses names um i'm just directing people into positions and okay so what's the what's the thinking behind that just to make it more palatable to people who might yeah, have an aversion or, or if people have seen a picture of warrior two or something like that and they feel like i have to look like this you know like uh, to be in warrior two and maybe their body is not not at that gonna allow that not gonna allow that but they'll try anyway and that's one thing about military people is yeah they will try. They'll force. They'll <laughs> yeah. force to the, the type A comes out. They're determined. Out. Yeah, yeah. They're determined. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, so, so you sent this sequence to Daniel, and he was like, yeah. uh, <laughs> "I don't know about this." I was really nervous, man, um, because my very first class, there was a television station coming to film it. <laughs> it was over at Hot on Yoga. I can't imagine, because I know a nervous, racking the first class you ever when you teach yoga for the first time. And then you're teaching this elevated form of yoga, which is, you know, your heart's in it. You really care about it. Yeah. And there was like, it was actually, there was like 30 people that showed up for the class too. So I was just like, I tell you, I've played live music for many years and it never made me nervous ever. But uh, I was so nervous to teach that class. (laughs) (laughs) It's TV broadcast. 30 people. My very first. Wow. like. I I think every yoga teacher is really nervous for their first class. Absolutely. Maybe their first year of classes. Yeah. Maybe their first two years of I classes. I was, dude, I had like, I had, yeah, I had all sorts of nerves for like three years. I had, a, I had like a diarrhea ritual before. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, I got to evacuate my bowels apparently before every class I teach. Well, you want, um, I mean, it's hard, hard not to get the ego involved, but you really want to give people a good class yeah you know yeah you're you're hoping for that with everything so yeah most people don't teach yoga well i shouldn't say that but i say when you do teach yoga for yourself it's really a tough obstacle to overcome yeah so to really get out of the way of it and let it happen um yeah really and, and I'm sure, like, you probably got into that class and, like, 20 minutes in, maybe you finally got over the, the cotton mouth and the nervousness and yeah. the sweats of it. I, de- I made some, I definitely made some errors during that class, but, you know, um, usually when you're conducting or leading people through the breath work or the meditation, you're supposed to keep your eyes open and keep your eyes on them. Uh-huh. But I just, you know, my eyes were totally closed <laughs> during all that. <laughs> and um, really, you don't... You don't. You, you can use music, but you want to be very selective about the style of music that you mm-hmm. play. In fact, it's recommended that you don't use music. And the way that the TV station did this piece, the very first scene, it like hones in on my little stereo thing with my iPhone on it, and it's playing. Um, you know, just it's playing some music. It's not Middle Eastern music, but it was like Indian flute music. You know, and uh, <laughs> it was probably not a good choice to have that going on. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, I didn't burn any incense or do anything like that. You know, right. But, um, and I had the room set up correctly. You're always you're supposed to not set people up in rows so that oh, really? the people in front with, with people behind them don't get nervous about that. Ah, so you're generally going around the 
perimeter of a room, but you also, you place yourself not in front of the door blocking it, but close to the door so they can see the entrance at all times, because sometimes that makes people uh, really nervous, especially people that have had to sweep through buildings and houses. Um, wow. So there's all sorts of like things you have to think about in terms like that, yeah. that, that you wouldn't know just going in teaching, like teaching a normal yoga class, no, you're just oblivious to these things. Yeah, and it's these are some of the most important things to know. Um, not that, I mean, you you never go in trying to make people get triggered, right. but these things can trigger people. Yeah, um, and it, unless you have some somebody who has experience in mental health that's backing you up in the class, mm -hmm. that if somebody leaves the room can go and follow them. You know, you're trying mm. to avoid that to some extent. Yeah, because if you're the only one there, you've got you people that have had trauma in the class and then somebody leaves and then you can't abandon these traumatized people for this traumatized person. But, um, so what do you do? Um, I usually like... Have you had that happen? No. Oh, okay. No, I've never had it happen. But <clears throat> sometimes I'll say something like, if you need to leave the room, you can give me a thumbs up on your way out if you're okay. Mm. You know, maybe you're just going to use mm -hmm. the restroom. Um, mm. But if you give me the thumbs down, I'm going to maybe put people in a child's pose or something like that, which we don't call it child's pose, we call it wisdom pose, put him in that pose, and then just come out and check on you, you know, to make sure that you're all right. Yeah. But um, it, ideally, it's supposed to be done in a in a treatment facility with a with a mental health professional really? there. Wow. So. Because um, PTSD, I mean, it's like a, I mean, it's, it like you said, it is an invisible wound. And so what... Like for, for just, you know, we're in Colorado Springs, so we're kind of steeped in this world. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, this, there's like four military bases. Are there four or five military bases in town? There's a lot. There's academy and... Yeah, you throw a rock and you'll hit a military yeah. base any direction pretty much. Um, but just in terms of maybe the layperson who might not, it might do us well to just define PTSD besides just post-traumatic stress disorder. Well, basically you, ha you experience a traumatic event where we have the two different sides of the nervous system, the mm -hmm. sympathetic and the parasympathetic. Mm -hmm. The sympathetic gets turned on your fight, flight or fright, or flight, fright or flight, right? Flight or fight. Flight or, flight or fight. fight. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, that gets turned on and it doesn't go off. Mm. So this creates all kinds of mental and physical difficulties. So you're just stuck in like a stress response. Hypervigilance. You can get flashbacks. Um, you can also some of the main symptoms are just avoidance. Once you maybe go out in public and get triggered sometime, then you'll kind of hole up inside of your house and, and not want to go out because you're afraid that'll happen again. And avoidance. Um, and you, is, and now you've experienced PTSD, mm -hmm. correct? So, so when you're, when you have somebody like that, does it mean like, how do we talk about, it? do you say you're a PTSD survivor or do you say, but we like to talk about PTSD growth, you know, like okay. how to grow from this wound. Mm -hmm. Um, because will, be will you be a person who has PTSD for the rest of your life? Because yeah. you said yoga doesn't cure it, but... Right, but you can, you can... I always look at it like... You can look at it like a piece of pie. Maybe yoga is like one thin slice of your pie that helps with your PTSD, but then there's all these other things, you know, whether mm. it be massage therapy or acupuncture or um, neurofeedback or you do different kinds of therapies, you know, like equine therapy. <clears throat> you just have to... You have to, you have to take on the investigation for yourself, for your mm -hmm. own good, for the good of the people that love you and are around you. Mm -hmm. 
and um, try to figure out how to... The, the PTSD will never totally go away, but through meditation um, and just therapy, different neural pathways can develop, so you can you can rewire the brain to some extent mm-hmm. and and keep your symptoms very low so that you can function and, you know, live a fairly normal life. Now, do you know how somebody may find out if they have... Because sometimes, I'm sure there's people walking around in the world who don't even know they have it that are experiencing those symptoms. So what would you recommend somebody do? Like, how how would you find out about that? Or what are some of the symptoms that you may want to... um, view as some warning signs to maybe go seek Um, some help if you have flashbacks or nightmares Mm -hmm. um about a traumatic incident or um if you if you are kind of explosive emotionally you know for Mm -hmm. no rash rational reason at times um those are if you avoid things if you isolate yourself because you're afraid of some behavior you've done in public or Mm -hmm. with someone you care about that Afterwards, you know, you're like, what the hell did I just do? I, I don't even know what I did. Because basically, the stuff, over time, what's happening is you're losing it, You're losing that cushion between processing what's happening and acting. You know, like it's mm. getting narrower and narrower. So you're reacting to things, you know, and so not necessarily triggers. wanting to do it. Right. But um, that happens a few times and you get frightened by it. And then you just want to isolate so you don't. Wow, that's I mean that's crazy because those symptoms seem like everybody I know almost probably is suffering from some form. I mean well, I know yeah. I'm so you, like three of those things. I'm all check, check for me. Yeah, well, um, after going through all this training and everything, I I really do kind of I bring those that kind of approach to all of my teaching, whether it's a whether it's a mindful resilience class mm-hmm. or not, because I. I feel like everybody has trauma, you know, mm-hmm. like really. So <clears throat> now is it helpful to identify the trauma or so like for like if I if I feel like I have PTSD and I come to a mindful resilience class, would it be helpful for me to use that practice really f- from a grounding of knowing what the trauma was from? Cuz some people I'm sure don't even have a clue maybe, you know. If it's not something specific. Well, um, that might be very different for them. We don't, you know, basically as the yoga person you're you're not delving into that that realm so mm-hmm. much you're just you're just referring them to somebody who has expertise and profession mm-hmm. that's their profession you know so you're just specifically working on the tools to help them yes with the anxiety it, of it and the... to oversimplify it it's really just um uh, bringing people back into connection with their breath and their bodies because mm. um with p t s d and the others depression anxiety stuff um you live in your brain, you know. So you're totally disembodied. Yeah, yeah you, you just uh, you're un, you're not grounded, and um, it's really you just as I think as a trauma sensitive yoga teacher, you're you're holding space for people, you're keeping them safe. The work that's being done, the magic, the healing is you're in, you don't really have much to do with it. It's you know it's like <laughs> just it's happening for them. Isn't that the way it goes? Yeah. In yoga. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just trying to stay out of the way of it. Really. It's so funny. We work so hard as yoga teachers and. It's like, it's really not up to us. It's like, our main job is just to stay out of the way yeah. for it to happen, and it happens. Um, yeah, so, the yoga works. It, yeah. It, it does the work. Yeah. And now, do you have any stories or of, of seeing it work? Like, since you've been doing this work, have you had any success stories? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No? 
I've had a lot of good feedback, and I'm from folks that have attended the classes regularly, and especially, you can see it, I've been working a lot of retreats lately, and over the course of three or four days, folks that arrive with absolutely no coping skills mm. leave a lot more peaceful than they arrive, I guarantee you of that, and that's a pretty miraculous yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, well, tell us about those retreats. So you've been doing a lot of these lately. So, so what organization have they done through? Where you the, go? What do you do? And um, how do that's people through the Lone Survivor. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're a veteran and you're interested in going to one of these retreats, you just get on their website and start to fill out the application. Okay. Um, once once you're accepted, it's totally free. Um, oh wow. They fly you out there. They pay for everything. Um, so is this a nonprofit then? It is. Okay based out of Houston and um, so there's three kinds of retreats there's individual retreats there's couples retreats and there's family retreats and um, they basically in one weekend they have behavioral counseling they have yoga therapy they have equine therapy they have neurofeedback they get their brains mapped and so Mm -hmm. that they get hooked up with um, referred to resources in their areas where they can go and take this neurofeedback information and there's a Another nonprofit called, uh, uh, I think it's Operation Homefront Cares or something like that. Mm-hmm. But through it, you can get 20 sessions with a neurofeedback person, which is, you know, that's a, that's a good chunk. That is awesome. Yeah. And then they do, uh, they do a therapy called uh, ART, which is Accelerated Resolution Therapy. It's a bit like the EMDR, but I, haven't, I, haven't, I don't know enough about EMDR mm-hmm. to to speak on that. Right. But uh, I, I know the ART, which is just a mode of therapy for erasing images that are that are disturbing in your ah, mind. Cool. <clears throat> so how did you get involved with them, and then what's your role when you go down to, to support with these? I'm the yoga guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I just teach mindful resilience stuff all through the weekend. But you're on call like all day, right? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. so it's not just the class you teach. Um, I'm available to the guests the whole day long. And do they it, take it, advantage of that? Not usually, no. Okay. Um, so you do get some peace. Well, yeah, they get tired because it's a lot of th- different therapies and yeah. they're like, they need, sometimes they need some downtime yeah. to recover yeah. from this stuff because some of it's really difficult. It's difficult work. Um, but I got hooked up with that. Um, there's a guy named Brian Cook down in Austin who is a Veterans Yoga Project ambassador and regional director. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that kind of He's the yoga. Uh, I don't know what his position would be. He's he's developed it. He's coordinated okay. it. Yoga coordinator. Yeah. And um, yeah. for the facility down in Texas, they have one in. They have a permanent facility in Texas, and then we use one in uh, Salt Lake City. That's at the National Activities Center. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I lost my place. Sorry. Well. Um, oh yeah, um, Daniel from the Veterans Yoga Project. Brian Cook contacted him and asked him if he could recommend any yoga teachers oh. to teach at these retreats. You're all, and he's they, all, I they got rec- this one guy who called me from they Louisiana rec- one time. No, well, by that time I'd known Daniel pretty well, and I'd yeah. already done some of the posters for the national fundraiser. So um, they, you are a very amazing and prolific artist. Oh, I don't. I don't know about that. I've had a lot of practice, man. A you, lot of practice. You you work fast. I'm amazed when you did the CD release. Poster for, and Alan showed me the logo you did for 
Caveman yoga? Yeah, caveman yoga. <laughs> it's like, I was like, there's one thing about Jason. When you ask him to do an art piece for you, it's like there's no waiting around or wondering if it's going to get done. Like that is, yeah, that is something a lot of artists can't say. It's, I don't know. I'd, <clears throat> I'm not usually consistently involved with my visual art, so if somebody gives me a, an assignment, then it, then it usually comes out pretty quick. So. Yeah. It's all, it's all I have on the table at that time. I right. Don't, I don't have a bunch of backlogged assignments to work on. So. Right. Which which is surprising because if you got your work out there more, I think I think you'd probably get yourself pretty busy because the quality is so high. Well, thank you. It's sir. awesome. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, and you I'm know, very meticulous. And your your tattoo work is amazing too. Like, well, thank you. I mean, you you've been doing it for what twenty twenty four years. Twenty four <laughs> years. Twenty four years teaching. Yeah, I started when I was ten. Playing music for how long? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would believe it though. I don't know. I don't know why I would believe that. I started playing um, when I was nineteen. And do you do music for these retreats or or for your mindful I, resilience I do classes? A, I do take a guitar down to the retreats because they'll have bonfires at night. So. So and I can provide a little bit of live entertainment there. Yeah. Well, and you have such a like uh, sweet, like silky kind of approach to music. Like it's so I can't imagine your music doing anything but just soothing people. It's like there's such a sweet lullabyness to your music that's like. Thank you, man. Yeah. Um, I really think music does more healing work than anything else. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's that. It's like what you're saying was like we don't do the. We we can offer these tools in yoga, but the yoga is doing the work. And the same thing, like you can play the song, but you're not really, it's moving through you somehow. I agree with you. And when I talk to people about that, sometimes they look at me like I'm um, full of shit. Oh, sorry. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> the FCC is coming after you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but really, sometimes I feel like I have absolutely nothing to do with it. Yeah. And it's not like I'm... I was a special chosen one or anything, but yeah. I'm really just like, it's it's just coming through. Isn't you know? And isn't that the best way when music feels that way? Where it's not personal and it's literally just like a channel opening up. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's when it, you can tell that it's very sincere, that there's no agenda behind the music. And it's like when you played that song at the start of this, it's like, you know, somebody out there listening to it may feel something completely different than what I felt. And what I felt, I was able to own entirely because there was no, you weren't trying to impose or project anything into it. You were just simply playing it for what it is. Um, which I think is like, you know, th that's the job of a yoga teacher too a lot of times. There's been times when I've played a gig and um, played a bad gig, you know, and like, and then I'll go home and sit on the porch and pull out the guitar and it just flows natural again. <laughs> you know, I'm like, right. it's, it's so different when you're just sitting there yeah. and you, you have no concern about what anybody is thinking that's out in front of you. Yeah. You just like let it happen. You relax and let it happen. Yeah. That's the best. And you're like, oh, I should have recorded that. But it, then if you had put the recorder on, you wouldn't have played the same. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got to say, man, like you're definitely like somebody I admire because you've definitely found this place in your life where it's like so many people struggle with what am I supposed to be doing? And and like I just see you and you're just doing the work. And I just really like, you know, my hat's off to you, man, because it's like you're you're making the world a better place. And what's really special about it is you're not attached to being famous about it or rich about it. Like you're just what I really see from you is like 
a contentment about getting to do this and a gratitude around it. And you, you make the world a lot better for a lot of people. And like I told you, I saw, who was it? Uh, Bill Lawless at the gym the other day. And he was just like singing your praises. He was like, man, that guy is awesome. And it's like, I know I love him too. So I haven't even seen Bill in like, it's been a long time. Yeah. So. He's living out of a camper. Well, thank you, man. Yeah. He's living out of a camper. Well, yeah, he just sold his house. He's going to live out of his uh, fifth wheel. For a while now, he's retired. Do the do the new American retirement, you nice. know, where people are starting to do that. Nice. Just be a nomad. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. I I am very grateful to be doing what I do at this point in time. Um, well, you know, you know me. Like six months ago or five months ago, it was, <laughs> it was a little rough. So. Um, yeah. Well, ever since you come to Colorado Springs, I think this can be a hard town to settle your roots into. But you did not give up, even during some dark, bleak times. And, yeah, I, I just couldn't be more proud of you and to know you. Oh, thanks, brother. Yeah, yeah. Um, so tell us, so for the guy sitting at home, maybe who has a friend who has PTSD, or maybe they wonder if they have PTSD, how can they find you? Where do you teach these classes for the public? Um, I teach the classes, uh, well, I don't I don't know if there's a directory that has all of this information on it, but do you want me to just go through it? Yeah, just go through okay, it. Okay, so yeah, the ones that are, where we can find the you. ones that are free for veterans um, are Tuesday evening at Satcha from seven to eight p.m. Mm -hmm. and then I teach on uh, Saturday morning from eight to nine at the VA clinic, and on Monday from four thirty to five thirty p.m. at Mount Carmel Transitional Center for Excellence. On Wednesday from 11.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at Mount Carmel Transitional Center. And those are the military ones I have going right now. Um, and also, and you can go onto the Veterans Yoga Project website. There's free practice resources on there. Mm -hmm. So you can, um, if you're at home and you want to know what, what these classes are like, pretty much all of the ingredients are on this website. Okay. So... You could go home and try some of the breathing practices or the yoga nidra, um, which is just the guided relaxation. Um, and do they they do a uh, like an annual event? Was it, was it the Veterans Yoga Project? Does the we do um, two fundraisers? Okay, that's what it per is per year. Yeah. One of them's just coming up in a few days. I mean, it's 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 ongoing. Yeah, um, it's called Light a Candle, and that's a Memorial Day fundraiser. Um, you can go onto the Veterans Yoga Project website and donate really easily on that. Cool. Um, and then the other one comes around six months later in the fall in November during uh, Veterans Gratitude Week. So that's like November 4 through, it's called week, but it, for some reason it came out as nine, <laughs> nine days. <laughs> but fourth, it's at the beginning of November. And okay. you, it's really easy to donate through the website and you can read about it is. What we do. I just I just did recently. I know. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciated that. For sure, brother. Um, and people can also find you if they want to just try out your other styles of yoga because you teach restorative at Cambio, right? I do. That's yeah. uh, ten thirty to eleven thirty on Tuesday. And you do bring in a similar type of. I mean, you've still got the same joie de vivre, like yeah. that same juju yeah. that you yep. give to your mindful resilience classes, Mister Mello. Yeah, yeah. It's just open and like inviting and allowing people to have their experience on the mat, which is something that's hard to find in a yoga class, I feel like, or it's increasingly harder and harder to find a teacher who will just kind of let you have your yoga. Yep. You're the teacher. Right. Right. Um, 
And adaptive yoga. And adaptive, yeah, which 12 is... 12 to one fifteen on Thursday. On Thursdays, okay, cool. Which All we right, have a man. great group. We have a great group for that, so... Yeah, and we just did a podcast on adaptive yoga with... Uh, I interviewed Alan and Morgan yesterday, so Good. that'll be coming up. Um, but um, what else do you want people to know about the work you do, or is there anything else that we need to... Any gaps we need to fill in before we close this out? Just that it is extremely helpful. I've seen it benefit a lot of people, not because of me. It's just it it works. Yeah, yeah. And don't wait, right? Like, yeah. If you think you check need it, it out. just check it out, right? Because mm-hmm. it's if, very, it's very like it's non-judgmental environment. It's very open and inviting, right? And if it if it doesn't, ha- you know, yoga doesn't work for everybody. But if it doesn't right. work for you, I still advise you to try some other modalities of therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it happens to be, acupuncture, equine therapy. I know they do that somewhere around here. So. Yeah, I know. We're just such. We're just like these raw, sensitive nervous systems walking around in the world, right? And the world's so hard and abrasive, and we're just like, we're like, we're bone underneath, but on top, we're just all, we're all nerve. Yeah, nervous. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, dude, thank you for being here. Thank, thank you, you for brother. the work you do. You are such an uh, inspiration and a light in this I feel community. the same about you, brother. Well, would you take us out with a song? Sure. I'm going to take a little sip of the liquid first. Is that your uh, Celestial Seasoning Country Peach Passion? I wish, I wish it was. We recorded an uh, album last year together. Not, I, I helped produce your music, and that was your choice of drink, wasn't it? Yes, your sir. drink of choice. I, I'm quite fond of Peach Passion. <laughs> it's that Southern boy in you, isn't it? <laughs> Uncle Sam, you're through with me And I'm living back home in your land of the free Well, I'm living back home, but your war's in my head Some days I wish I was there instead Uncle Sam, you're through with me And my life ain't how it ought to be Once I was a loving man Then I got sent into the sand We were brothers in arms in a foreign land No folks back home would understand How once I was a loving man Then I got sent into the sand Days I don't go out anymore To the places I went before the war Spend all my time alone and mad Folks ask my kids, hey, where's your dad? But I just can't get out no more The places I went before the war Uncle Sam, you're through with me I fought for you, now I'm not free 
And my lovely wife, she's done too She wants the old me, but this me's new Uncle Sam, you're through with me And my life ain't how it ought to be Things seem dark, life's closing in Can't get off the mat, I ain't got no chin Where's Uncle Sam now that I need him? I look but Sam's gone with the wind Uncle Sam, you're through with me I fought for you, now I'm not free Uncle Sam, you're through with me, and my life ain't how it ought to be. Nice, man. Nice. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. That's an original, yeah? Yes, sir. Yeah, cool. Thank you, brother. I look forward to many more experiences with you, getting mm-hmm. tattoos from you, playing music with you, writing music with you, recording your music, and, and learning from you as a yoga teacher. I look forward to that as well, sir. All right, brother. Oh, I'm Tatsat. Oh, Om Tatsat. Oh, Om Tatsat. <laughs>